I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me remotely representing the Seraphin Ensemble is the Artistic Director and Violinist, Kate Ransom, and an upcoming guest pianist uh, to be performing with the Seraphin Ensemble, Jennifer Nicole Campbell. Welcome, Kate and Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Paul. So glad to have you joining us today. Uh, Kate, we've been talking quite a bit over the last several months about getting Seraphin out there for a live performance. And um, you're saying off air that you think this may be the first live chamber performance in the, in the region uh, since COVID hit. Uh, let's talk a little bit first, though, about uh, the Seraphin Ensemble. I'm sure our listeners are familiar with it. We've spoken before, but just uh, briefly about the ensemble, and then we can get into the upcoming program and Jennifer's background and her role in the, uh, in the concert. Thanks, Paul. Yes, it's great to talk again. Um, Seraphin Ensemble has um, been together for now like two and a half seasons. Um, it's a roster of a dozen artists from all over the United States and representing countries all over the world. So it's a really interesting group of artists, strings, winds. There's a singer on the roster and pianists, of course. Um, we are sort of pledged to one another to collaborate when the opportunity arises. We know each other from various festivals and series um, throughout the world over many years in some cases. And we love the, uh, the art of collaboration. So um, chamber music is what we, what we uh, join together to do. Um, whereas many of the artists also play solos with orchestra. Um, all of us play recitals. Um, some play in large ensembles as well. So everyone has an eclectic background of um, varied musical activities. This is our chamber music niche together. And every time we have the chance to collaborate, we take it. And yes, we're delighted to be able to do something this fall. Um, we were prepared to wait till December when the next Seraphin Ensemble concert is planned, but we had this opportunity to open the series for the Arts at Trinity, and they're ready to do a live performance for about 50 people on site. And uh, we're just really ecstatic to be coming back together and making music together and looking forward to greeting an audience again. Now, you, you have a history with uh, the Arts at Trinity, do you not? Uh, Terrence Gauss-Woolen has been uh, running that program for quite some time. Yes, I don't know how many years the Arts at Trinity has been going, but uh, probably um, close to 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, from the outset, they, they invited the Seraphim, then the Seraphim String Quartet, to be part of the series, and they liked us to anchor the series to open and close the season each year. And so we have tried to do that. Most seasons we've been able to do that. Um, and so it's very fitting that we're going to open the season for them this year. And of course, we wish them a robust season to follow. And uh, Seraphins should be also closing their season in the first weekend of May. Great. Jennifer, let's turn to you, Get uh, learn a little bit about you and your background. I think we've spoken before on the air, but uh, for our listeners who haven't tuned in uh, until recently. Uh, a little bit about your background as an award-winning pianist and composer. <laughs> well, uh, I'm actually from the Delaware area, and uh, I studied at the Music School of Delaware Piano and Composition with David Dalton Brown. He has a piece that's on our program. And I uh, studied at Peabody Conservatory for five years, got my bachelor's and master's degree there in uh, 
in piano performance and I wanted to you know kind of give back uh, what the music school gave me uh, so I returned back to the Delaware area and began collaborating uh, with you know the Seraphins and I started working with the Delaware County Symphony uh, right now I'm their chamber music director and uh, it's 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 a great it's a great life being a musician you know it's 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 cobbled together all kinds of different experiences and I, I do a lot of teaching as well um, but uh, yeah now your your performing has taken you to many different venues. What is kind of the the range of places that you've performed, and and sort of the context? Because you've been both a, a, a concert soloist, but also a, a part of a larger larger groups. Yeah, um, I guess thinking about different places I've played in. Uh, I've played in Denmark at the uh, Aarhus. Uh, that was wonderful over there. Got to see a lot of exciting places. I performed in Vienna. Uh, Lincoln Center up in New York and uh, but pre performing with orchestra is certainly one of the things I, I absolutely love and adore and it's uh, right now it's it's challenging not to have that opportunity but uh, definitely playing with Delaware County Symphony uh, one of my favorite experiences was playing in uh, Rose Tree Park and it was an outdoor venue and there were kids running around and people were just enjoying they were eating you know and just it was wonderful we played Rhapsody in Blue and it was just a, an amazing experience yeah yeah, Rose Tree Park, that brings back memories. Many years ago, probably before you were born, I actually did an outdoor uh, theater production at Rose Tree Park. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, yeah small world. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're composing. A little bit about your uh, compositions. I mean, your, your, your performance range goes from Bach to contemporary. Uh, what kinds of compositions do you do and how do they reflect your breadth of performance experience? That's a great question. I'd say definitely uh, I, I try to look at the masters, study the greats. That was what uh, David always taught me. He said, you know, if you want to learn how to compose, study Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, all those guys. And that certainly helps kind of inform uh, how I compose in terms of structure. I always try to keep things uh, structured in a sense that people can understand. And when they hear a melody, they can, they can hear it back when it comes back later on. Um, and so I, I'd say there's, I have two kind of different styles. One is slightly more on the serious side, and then I have these uh, kind of musical mixtures, like the variations on Amazing Grace I'm going to play. Uh, I, I interweave, you know, little pop tunes. I interweave Disney tunes in there. So that, some, you know, I mainly did it for kind of, I wanted somebody, everybody to have something. So students could say, oh, you know, Miss Jennifer played Beauty and the Beast. You know, I heard that. And, and you know, classical tunes, Fear Elise. So... Uh, I'd say there's kind of two distinctive styles there. One's a little more goofy than, than the other. <laughs> now, do you, are your compositions uh, primarily piano compositions or do you do uh, chamber compositions, orchestral? What's, what's that range? Yeah, uh, definitely. I've written a lot of songs, um, several orchestra pieces. Uh, the New York Symphony performed uh, a piece of mine a few years back. And... Um, I actually find it most challenging to, to compose for piano, which is a little odd. Um, mm. I like composing for small chamber groups, and maybe it's just that I want to collaborate, you know. <laughs> I once heard it said of Leonard Bernstein that he, com he wrote compositions to match his conducting style, which I <laughs> always found rather interesting. So, so, Kate, let's come back to you. Putting this pro particular program together, I see that one of the pieces that you're doing, I think, is a Beethoven piece commemorating his 250th birthday. Is that right? 
Yes, um, so this opportunity came up at kind of quick notice, just a few few weeks out from the concert date. Um, so, you know, I thought, well, what, what should we, what kind of program should we present? And, you know, we've missed a lot of opportunities that we had planned to celebrate Beethoven. And that's true all over the world. So many great Beethoven celebrations of his 250th birth year um, have had to go by the wayside. So I thought, well, we really need to, to celebrate that. And so Amos Fayette and Jennifer will play the G major sonata, opus 30, number three, that's the uh, sonata number eight by Beethoven. You know, he wrote 10 violin piano sonatas. They're all exquisite. This is um, kind of a smaller, more less uh, large scale sonata than some of the most famous ones, but it is beloved and it's very sparkling and very, very wonderful writing. Um, well, as is everything that Beethoven wrote. Um, but this is a real gem and a real audience friendly work. And the whole program is rather audience friendly. It's a little bit of a variety pack. We have um, our German, in, you know, uh, we have our German composer, Beethoven. And we also have a French composer, a Danish composer, and, um, and we have a Polish composer. And we have our two Americans um, with the world premiere. So it's a really wonderful kind of uh, on the lighter side program. It's not a super long program because, you know, in COVID time, we also have to allow a little bit longer uh, time for intermission. And um, we don't want to keep people in the room um, an excessive length of time. So I basically, I put together a program of favorites and I can't wait to hear the world premiere of David Alden Brown's new composition and Jennifer playing it. Um, it's always, always exciting to hear a brand new work and for the audience to uh, go on that journey together with, uh, with the artists. So, and we'll, we are counting on David Brown, of course, being there also to be recognized. And I, we believe it's his intention that he will be able to be there. So that's another exciting um, part of our day. Now, because this program uh, was put together uh, fairly recently, I'm assuming he composed this piece not as a commissioned piece for this particular concert, but had recently composed it, and this is a great opportunity to premiere it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He he started working on this, I believe, back in April, and it's 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 I think it's one of his most optimistic sounding pieces, and and it because a lot of his pieces are, are there's a lot of um, I, I don't know. It's not. I don't want to say darker material, but it's there's something about this one that just shines with with beauty and just wonder of of creation. I think that's one of the things he said. He was spending a lot more time outdoors. Just like wow, this is this is pretty amazing. You know, just looking at the beauty all around us. And I think that the piece really reflects that. So I'm really excited to to, to give this world premiere. It's 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 wonderful. And for it being the first live concert in a while, it's it's certainly I think going to hold a special place in, in my heart for sure. Well, I want to come back to the programming, but let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned in to Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guests joining me remotely today are Kate Ransom, the artistic director and violinist for the Seraphin, uh, um, uh, um, not, not ensemble, Seraphin, help me, Kate. 
Yeah, ensemble. Seraphim Ensemble. It used right. to be the string quartet. That's right. That's the Seraphim right. Ensemble. And and guest pianist uh, for the upcoming uh, concert, Jennifer Nicole Campbell. Um, uh, with with the programming that you're doing, Jennifer, the uh, the uh, duet that you're doing with Amos, uh, had were you both had you both performed this piece before? And but the two of you are putting it together, or how do, how does that work for an ensemble to come together like this? Yeah, I guess first is just the programming, how things you know fit together, and then Kate put together a really delightful uh, program. And I had not played this Beethoven sonata, but as soon as I heard an opportunity for live performance, I said, you know, I'll, you know, I'll let me get to my practicing right away. So uh, I'm learning and growing with this piece, you know, fairly within a short period of time. So Amos and I have not played it, but we've played together before. And uh, I think we've got really good chemistry as collaborative artists. And so I'm looking forward to, to working with him on this. So you'll have an opportunity to practice it a few times with him. And I assume with, with just the three of you uh, performing, you'll be able to maintain social distancing um, as, as you're performing. And Kate, you mentioned, I think there's a limit, uh, did you say 50 tickets for the live performance? Let's, let's go into a little detail about how that's going to work. And then I believe it's going to be available for listeners after the fact as well. Yes, that's right. So the Arts at Trinity can, can have 50 people safely, very well spaced in the sanctuary where they hold the concerts. And so we have to do advanced ticket reservations in order to make sure that uh, we don't surpass that. So people need to go to the link. The easiest way is through the Seraphin Ensemble. That's S-E-R-A-F-I-N Ensemble.org and uh, find this event and then link to an Eventbrite uh, site where they can just reserve tickets and uh, provide the information that's needed to reserve. Once they come to the concert, it's fairly typical of whether they will be going to a church service or another activity that is limited in the number of people. They have to wear their mask and sit far apart um, in the hall and, um, and then just enjoy the concert. And you know, it's a very beautiful space. It's a very large space, which is also part of the safety features. And yes, the three of us performing with at no time more than two together on the stage does make it very easy for us to also socially distance while we're performing. And having sung at Trinity Episcopal for a year myself many years ago, I can attest to what you just said about it being a beautiful space with great acoustics. It really is a, it's a wonderful setting for this kind of a program. Uh, now, uh, in Amos is coming up from Southern Delaware. He has a connection with you, Kate, right through the Music School of Delaware. But he's he's also an outstanding violinist. A little bit about uh, his background. Sure, Amos is an extraordinary violinist and a virtuoso violinist. And so, uh, when we get a chance, he's on the Seraphin roster, and we love to collaborate. We play string quartets together and duos together and, and larger works as well. Um, but when I do get a chance to program a concert, which is one of my favorite things to do, uh, I love to give Amos a chance to show off. Um, and in this case, I always also like to give uh, Jennifer Campbell a chance to show off and uh, do what they especially do so beautifully well. And with Amos, that means he gets a chance to do some pyrotechnics on the violin. So, um, so he is playing a very tiny little piece 
that probably takes hours to learn, um, but he plays it so exquisitely. It's a showpiece by Lipinski, Karol Lipinski, a Polish violinist, violin virtuoso and composer. And um, so he will get a chance to show off what he can do up and down the fingerboard. Um, And it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of work for him and a lot of fun for all of us. Um, He and I will also get to collaborate in a beautiful duo by Jean-Marie Leclerc. And it's uh, the E minor duo for two violins, just an absolutely uh, charming and beautiful work. And he and I have played it quite a few times together. So we're very, very comfortable with it. And uh, I love trying to imitate Amos. (laughs) I said, Amos, just play how you play and I'll try to play like that. So, so, so for the live performance, it's limited to 50 tickets. So uh, yes. our listeners should check out seraphinensemble.org soon to get those tickets. But then I did you tell me offline there's an opportunity to hear it afterward? Yes, our plan is to do a live recording and um, broadcast that recorded live concert at a later date. And that will be announced. Okay. But, but there's nothing that beats live performance of, no. of ensemble music. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jennifer, back to you. Um, I know I've had this conversation with Kate in the past, uh, but, uh, but I'm going to turn this question over to you. Uh, looking at your, your bio on your website, uh, you clearly have worked under the tutelage of a number of different uh, teachers, including, as you mentioned, I believe, uh, David Alden Brown. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you learn by studying with different teachers. I I like the way you put that, studying with different teachers, because getting different perspectives, I think, is really important as as a musician. And uh, and just having the right teachers, too, there's there's a certain kind of chemistry there um, that is... It's, it's a special relationship, you know, uh, that you have with the different teachers. And my teacher at college, Brian Gans, was wonderful. And uh, he was also sort of a, a spiritual mentor, if you will, uh, just the way that he talks about music and he embodies music, even the way he talks about it. Um, that's very much kind of the Leon Fleischer who sadly just passed, that, that tradition of uh, just his, in the Leon Fleischer studio has pictures from NASA of the cosmos and he would talk about music in relation to, you know, space and time and all those wonderful things. And I think for me, having a teacher that, that, that relates music to to literature and poetry and art and dance uh you know just it it immerses you in a in a cultural way not just it's not oh it's just about music it's music is about life you know and uh i think that's what i would say i've learned the most from from those teachers in terms of of uh what they offered in, in that respect now i'm going to ask both of you the same question either one can chime in you are both teachers as well as performers. I'm, but uh, as musicians, as performing artists, you are continually learning. You're learning new repertoire. Uh, I'm curious, how does the uh, accomplished performer like both of you uh, continue to improve your own skills and your own repertoire and rely on those around you to critique or uh, comment uh, so that you can continue to hone your own skills? If, if I may, it's Kate. Um, sure. So first of all, it's one of the things I love about collaborating is that I learn from my colleagues. Um, 
from my elder colleagues through my life and from my younger colleagues um, and the breadth of what you experience when you are open to collaboration is just such an enhancement to your perspective and how you look about how, how you look at music and how you go about music making. Um, so that's one thing I would say is we always have teachers when we're collaborating. Uh, our colleagues are wonderful uh, resources. And the other thing I would say is a time like COVID time is an amazing time to have more practice time. And for me, this was precious because my practice time is perhaps more lim limited than those who only spend their lives performing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I definitely put it to use to learn some new pieces, uh, memorize something which I don't have to do, but I did it as an exercise. Um, and also go back to my basic craft, which is something that I think is always informative. And, um, and I would just say one of the things we have to do is never miss a practice day. We do miss practice days, but the rule is don't miss a practice day. Jennifer, you've got one minute with the same question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh definitely want to echo what, what Kate said uh, in regards to learning from colleagues, you know, when collaborating, because it's, you know, it's just, it's a different perspective. And, um, and I said, especially with teaching as well, and I learn things all the time from my students. And it's funny too, Paul, because I didn't really want to teach really little kids when I first graduated. I was like, I want to teach, you know, college kids and, you know, really great repertoire. But about two months into it, I was like, this is amazing. You know, watching a child grow, uh, you know, from where's middle C and then they're able to play, you know, four years later, they're playing Beethoven and Brahms. And I'm sort of five years out now from when I kind of officially started full-time teaching and just seeing them grow up, you know, and have music as part of their lives is, is really precious. And with that, we're running out of time. So I just want to invite our listeners to check out seraphinensemble.org to find out more information about Seraphin and Friends kicking off the Arts at Trinity uh, coming up on September 20th at 4 p.m. Kate Ransom, Jennifer Nicole Campbell, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a delight. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul.